So I want to welcome all of you to week three of the, of the Chosen. This is our fall campaign and what it means when we do a fall growth campaign. Uh, we're lined up. We're all doing like the same stuff. So, so the sermons and the small groups and the daily devotionals are all kind of on the same theme. And so the theme of our, our, our campaign this fall is the wonderful live stream television show called The Chosen. And uh, it's a study of the life of Jesus and just brings Jesus and his disciples alive in such an incredible way. And, and so we're basing this campaign on season one uh, of The Chosen. And so our theme verse for this campaign is Isaiah 43, verse 1. And so this is a, we, we talked about this verse in the first week, and it'll be our theme verse. I'll read it every week, and would really encourage you guys to memorize this verse. It would be a great verse to have tucked away in the back of your brain so you could call upon it when you, when you need to be reminded of this truth. But it says, Now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. Now, the episode title for the one that we're looking at today, the one we're going to watch in our, in our small groups this week, is Jesus Loves the Little Children. And so the Gospels, Marianne and I are going to tag team this message today. It, um, it talks a lot about Jesus' heart for kids and the kind of the, the countercultural way that Jesus demonstrated that. And so the, the episode doesn't actually take a, an account or something from the Bible. It actually kind of fleshes it out and it says, well, this, this is something that could have happened. And if it did, what we know about Jesus is he would have treated children in this manner. And so in this episode, you see that uh, Jesus is getting ready to launch his public ministry and so he's by himself. He's getting ready. He's like camping out. And so it shows some really intense times of prayer that he's having with the Father. And then these little kids start becoming curious with his campsite and his tools and his woodworking. And so they end up hanging out with him. And so they, he, they end up, these kids end up becoming his first like little mini disciples. And he's teaching them and they're asking questions. And it's really, it's really beautiful seeing, seeing God's heart for kids. And, and so uh, at the time, uh, kids were really seen as unimportant. You know, in the culture that Jesus lived in, uh, the surrounding area and world, kids were not prioritized. But Jesus was very countercultural. He honored kids. He cared for kids. He saw them as important. He said, these kids, they're not on the bottom of the, uh, of the social pecking order. They really matter. You know, kids, uh, you know, then, then, you know, now maybe a little bit, but then even more so. Kids were not to, were to be seen and not heard. Kids were kind of treated as if they weren't, they didn't matter, as if they weren't important. But Jesus was very countercultural, showing us that children need to be given spiritual attention. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, we got a couple of points to make, and then we're going to watch a clip from The Chosen, then Marianne is going to come, and she's going to finish things up. So just in the few moments that I have, because I don't want to cut into Marianne's time, because I'm up here a lot, you know, so I don't want to, I don't want to get greedy for Marianne's time. But my, my point is just really very simple, is that we need to prioritize the spiritual lives of children. We need to tr treat children as, some, as, ch as people that really matter to Jesus in the kingdom of God. Now, I want to look at a, a, a passage that is in Matthew chapter 19. And so Jesus had been doing ministry. He's got his disciples. And they're going more to kind of the outsiders. You know, they're going to the, the margins of society. But God is moving. The kingdom of God is coming. People are getting healed. Jesus has this radical new message. 
And so the religious power brokers started to get interested in what was going on. So Jesus and his disciples had a meeting with the Sanhedrin. These were the the upper echelon, the, the movers and the shakers, the important people. And so the Sanhedrin, they were like, all right, so we've got this prophet. He's out doing stuff. Let's let's uh, condescend to have a meeting with this prophet. And let's find out what his message is. And let's find out what his agenda is and make sure his agenda matches with our agenda. And, and uh, Jesus and his followers are very lucky to have our attention. The disciples kind of thought the same thing. They were like, wow, you know what? We've been ministering to the outskirts of society, the margins of society, and we're just a bunch of fishermen and and simple people, and here we are. Look, we finally arrived. We finally made it. We're with the Sanhedrin. Now things are really going to happen. This is a wonderful opportunity. And so it says this in Matthew 19, verses 13 to 15, and think about what's going on, the context of everything that's going on. It says, then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. And so parents were bringing their kids to Jesus. Right? They saw how he was, and he was full of grace and full of mercy and compassion and spiritual authority. And even though the wider culture didn't value, value children, parents always value their children. And so parents were bringing their kids to be blessed by Jesus. And the disciples, though, rebuked them. It's kind of a harsh word that's used in the Greek. They've, it might have even gotten a little physical, kind of like, get these kids out of here. What are you doing? Don't you understand this important moment? What are you doing bringing kids? They totally misunderstood Jesus, and so Jesus rebuked them, right? There's another passage which Marianne will talk about, which says Jesus became indignant. Like, he got mad. He's like, well, you guys don't get it. You don't understand. And the one who said, let there be light, used the same word, and he said, let the little children come to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And so, listen, what I just want to say in just a few minutes that I have is that we prioritize kids here. At the North Jersey Vineyard, children are worth our attention. They are of primary importance. Right now, we've got uh, a youth gathering that's happening with teenagers. We've got kids' church. That is not babysitting. It is not saying, all right, well, let's get the kids out of here so we can all do the really important work of what's going on, you know, in the kingdom in here with all the grown-ups. I don't think that's how Jesus sees things. I wonder if maybe sometimes we're being babysat so the kids can kind of get what it is that they need. There's an organization called the, so maybe that's, I'm a pastor and chief babysitter. Maybe that's my new title. But there's this organization called the 414 Movement. And it's called the four, it's a worldwide organization. It's called that because it focuses on kids between the ages of 4 and 14. And what they've discovered through extensive research is that if adult followers of Jesus, if they have, if they had a significant experience with the gospel, with the presence of God, in a way that really impacted them between the ages of 4 and 14, it really set them up to deal with all the complexities and and isms and cultural pressure and all the stuff that can happen as as you navigate through adulthood. Religion won't stay with kids, right? Religion doesn't. But a real interaction with Jesus, a real understanding of the gospel, an experience of the love of God, an understanding that they're made on purpose for a purpose, that can stay with you. 
right? That can stay with kids, and it's like God can kind of get an anchor in kids' soul that can really stay with them. And even if they wander off, it's like it can kind of, something that can kind of pull them back. D.L. Moody, a famous evangelist of the 19th century, he actually, he ended, you know, he went, he preached the gospel to, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people all over the world. He started out as a Sunday school teacher. And one day he said, I baptized two and a half people today. And so they said, what do you mean two and a half people? What do you mean, like two adults and one kid? And he said, no, actually, two kids and one adult. The adult's the half. Because the adult, you know, they're old. I mean, they, their life is, life is half over. The kids, though, they're just getting started. They could do a lot of damage for Jesus and his kingdom. No, I baptized two and a half people today. And, and I've had the privilege through the years of hearing from Mary Ann, Pastor Mary Ann and Pastor Thomas, who's our youth leader, just different stories and accounts of how the kingdom is showing up in our kids. So Mary Ann told me about a, about a kid who on a, on a Saturday was stung by a bee. And so on Sunday, the next day in church, you know, they're taking prayer requests and this kid, you know, says, oh my, I got stung by a bee and my hand still really hurts and I'm sore. And so all the little kids got, got around and laid hands on this, on this kid and prayed for him. And all of a sudden his face like lit up and he smiled and he said, the pain is gone. It doesn't hurt anymore. She got an email from a mom who said, I just got to tell you what just happened with my kindergartner. I told my daughter, she was having this, this mom was having a terrible headache. She was like one of those like close the drapes, like lay in bed, one of those kind of headaches. And it was really bad. And so her, her little daughter who was in kindergarten said, mommy, let me pray for you. And so laid her hands on her head and prayed for her to be healed. And the mother said immediately the pain went away and she was able to just to go about her day. And normally that's not what happened. When a headache like that came on her, it would stay on her for a while, but it immediately was lifted. Thomas told me about someone from our church. Yeah, that's worth clapping for. That's a cool thing, right? Thomas told us about, uh, about someone in our church who, who said, Thomas, I just got to tell you, I don't know what you're doing in there with those kids. But, but what happened is it was after one of our services. And, uh, and they're walking around the lobby, and their shoulder was hurting, and they were kind of holding their shoulder. And so this teenager saw that and knew that this, this, this adult had a, pain, a painful so- shoulder and said, hey, what's going on? And they said, oh, I just hurt my shoulder, and it's kind of bugging me right now. And the kid said, can I pray for you right now? And so laid hands, you know, on this adult in the lobby and prayed for him, and the shoulder got immediately healed. See, we, we, listen, we, we need to understand that Jesus' heart for children, his love for children shows up in so many ways. Let the little children come to me. And here at the North Jersey Vineyard, we want to take that seriously. And we want to create environments, and we do, where kids can hear the gospel and understand and experience the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So, so how can we help kids connect with Jesus? How can we help kids connect with Jesus? And I'm talking to parents, obviously. I'm talking to grandparents. I'm talking to aunts and uncles. I'm talking to people, maybe you don't have kids, but, but you've got friends of kids, or, or we've got people you know, in our church who don't have kids, but they have a heart for kids, and so they serve in our kids' church ministry, or they volunteer with our youth group. What are the ways that we can make sure that we're helping kids come to Jesus? And two things, really quick. First is, Talk to them about spiritual things. Talk to them about spiritual things. Proverbs 1, 8 to 9. It says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. So very simply, what that means is ask your kids questions. 
right? So, so some of you have kids right now who are in kids' church. And so you're going to be in the car right after church. And so a conversation that should be happening on the, in all the cars on the way home is, what did you learn in kids' church today? They maybe come out with a drawing or some kind of craft or something they did for you to say, hey, explain this to me. What, is, what did you learn about God from this? What does this mean? Why did you draw it this way? Have those spiritual conversations with your kids. Help your kids figure out how to bring their Christianity, their faith, their Jesus into their everyday life. So when there's things that happen at school or happen on the playground, have conversations with them about what do you think Jesus would have you do or, or what does it mean for us as Christians? How should we respond in this situation? Help them start thinking about how Jesus isn't like left behind in church on a Sunday, right? That we don't just kind of like wave goodbye to Jesus as we drive away to church and say, see you next week, Jesus. That, that we actually figure out, you know, as we're trying to figure out, how do we incorporate Jesus into our daily life, help our kids. Tell them about your spiritual journey. Let, talk, let them know how, how you came to know Jesus. Let them know how Jesus has, has made your life better. How Jesus has made you better at life. Talk to them about your purpose that God has revealed to you and, and the things that you do because you're trying to live out the purpose that God has given you. Talk to them about some of the heroes of the faith. You know, you're, you're, our kids hear a lot about justice. And that's a good thing, that there's, that there's this desire for there to be justice because God is all about justice. Well, let our kids know how God has used his followers to bring about justice in the world. Let them know about William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce, who was a leader in England in the, in the early eight, late 1700s, early 1800s, God raised him up to eradicate slavery in the Western Hemisphere. It started in England, and then a generation later, the, us, us in the U.S., we were a little bit slow, but it eventually got across the Atlantic, and it was William Wilberforce, who was a follower of Jesus, and it was his faith that really motivated him to do that. Talk about William and Catherine Booth, the founders of the Salvation Army. They had this radical heart for the poor at a time when people didn't think about the poor, but they, they helped an entire generation and then previous, you know, succeeding generations understand and capture God's heart for the poor. Talk about Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad. She was, you know, she was a slave who escaped, but because she was a follower of Jesus, she said, I'm going to risk my, le my life to help other people come into the freedom that I've experienced. They're going to hear about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. There's a whole day, there's a month, that, you know, it should be more, but they're going to hear about him. Make sure they understand that it was Dr. Martin Luther King's strong faith in Jesus Christ that enabled him to do what he did. That his message of justice and his message of reconciliation and the means of doing this through peaceful protest is something that was totally informed by his, by his commitment to Jesus and his relationship with God. Talk about the, the heroes of the faith. Read the Bible with them. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so read the Bible with them. If your kids are little, there's wonderful illustrated Bibles where you could read about Noah and you could read about Moses and David and, and Josiah and Elijah, thinking about the namesakes here of the kids we dedicated, and Jesus and Paul and, and all of it, and, and, and really help them be interacting with Scripture so that they can be equipped. And so we talk to them about spiritual realities. And the th second thing that we can do, there's so much more that I could say. But let me just end with this. 
we need to pray for our kids. We need to pray for our kids. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked about drawing prayer circles. You guys remember when I talked? You guys remember, sometimes you remember some of the things we talk about, right? So I talked about prayer circles. And with that, what, what I meant was like, hey, if there's a promise that God has given you or there's something that you're waiting for, God will have us draw circles and then kind of, you know, uh, metaphorically, we stay in that circle. And we say, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying until I see God's promises come about. If you have kids, if you have grandkids, draw that circle. And you're going to stay in that circle praying for your kids. As long as you're drawing breath in this life, you're going to keep praying for your kids, right? That we draw, that's a prayer circle that we have for our whole life. So let me be honest with you. I've got four adult kids, and they are not all spiritually where I want them to be. But Norma and I, we pray for our kids. We've, every single day, we've drawn that prayer circle, and we pray for our kids. We, we started doing something recently where one night a week, we fast dinner, and we go into the living room, or go into the back deck, and we spend a, a, like a good hour praying for our kids, crying you know, together, praying for our kids, for God to break in, for God to send people across their path, for God to move and work. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You are righteous in Jesus. Your prayers are powerful and effective. You need to understand that God is calling you to be a spiritual advocate for your children. Now, you're an advocate for your children, right? I mean, if somebody mistreats your child, if there's a kid who's mean to your kid, you're probably texting that kid's parents. You know, you're like advocating. If, you, if they come home and they say, my teacher wasn't fair, my principal wasn't fair, you're advocating for your kids. My wife is a fourth grade school teacher, and she'll tell you, parents advocate for their kids. Sometimes they advocate even when they don't have the full story, but they're, they're going to advocate. And so let's take up that mantle and let's say we are going to be spiritual advocates for our children. There's, not, there's no other sphere where we can advocate for our children that's more important than adver advocating before the throne of grace, right? That, that we have access to come boldly before the throne of grace. And so let's use that access to advocate for our kids. Luke 11, verse 5 to 8, Jesus told a parable. And the reason he told the number of parables, the purpose of, the, of a couple of his parables was just like, just keep praying. Just don't give up. And this is one of them. And it says this, verse 5, Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food for them. And suppose the one inside says, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. It's not a good friend. I, you know, I understand Jesus' point here, but it's like, okay, you know, say, like, I guess try to love this person, but find some other more supportive friends, because he's not a very good friend. Jesus said, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because, and I love this phrase, because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Shameless audacity. I want to encourage you for the children in your life, your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, whoever they may be, that you would take that spiritual mantle and with shameless audacity, 
that you would draw that prayer circle and you say, as long as I'm drawing breath, I'm going to keep praying for my kids. I'm going to pray for them when they're little. I'm going to pray for them as they're navigating the teenage years, especially as they're navigating the teenage years. I'm going to pray for them as they transition into adulthood and they're dealing with the pull of culture and all these other ideologies. I'm going to pray for them as they're having families of their own. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to keep praying for them. So I think about my life and I think about some of the twists and turns like that hymn says, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. And thinking about what is it that's helped me get where I am today. And I'll tell you a big piece of it, a big part of it. And I think probably my mom and dad are watching the live stream right now. I have parents who have prayed for me for all of my life. All of my life. And when I, like my, my mom watches the live streams and watches everything we do. She knows more about what's going on in the church sometimes than I do. But the one thing my mother has always said to me through all of it, she always says, Phil, I'm praying for you. My father always tells me I'm praying for you. I, I had two praying grandmothers. That's a power. I'll tell you, a praying grandmother. We got, some, we got some praying grandmothers in here today, right? Let me hear from the praying grandmothers. We got some. We, don't, we have no idea how powerful, especially the prayers of a grandmother. I had one of my grandmothers was Grandma Birgit. She was this tiny little Norwegian woman. And I remember when I was going through some of my dark teenage years and I was a knucklehead, she, would, she so many times would say to me, I'm praying for you, Philip. And it was a little bit of a threat that was in there, I think, just a little bit. But I, you know what? I, I, I think, like I know that, that those prayers mattered. I think when I get to heaven, when I get to the other side, I'm going to realize I had no idea how much those prayers matter. And so I want to encourage us. Yes, talk to kids matter. They matter here at the vineyard. Talk to, look for opportunities to talk to your kids about spiritual things and pray for your children with shameless audacity. And so I want to invite you. We're going to do something a little different this week. We've got, the, we've got the, uh, the connection cards, and on the back, you can write a prayer request. I want to invite you to write a prayer request for your child or children or grandchildren or whoever it might be. If you already, a, a neat little feature on our, on our digital app, a connection card through the app, you can retrieve it. Even if you sent it, you can go back in and edit the prayer and put in a prayer for your kids. And what we're going to do this week is the pastors are going to pray for your kids and we're going to get it out to some of the other prayer warriors in the church and we're going to spend a week praying for the kids of our church with shameless audacity. All right? I'm going to turn things over to Marianne, but before we do that, I have a, uh, a three-minute clip here from The Chosen that I think really captures the heart of Jesus that we're talking about this morning when it comes to kids. Let's check that out. Abby says, you travel a lot. Do you have a house? My father provides everything I need. Is your father rich? <laughs> Did Abigail tell you to ask me that? No. That is a question for another time. What's your favorite food? Oh, Joshua the Brave speaks. Hmm, I like so many different foods, but I especially love bread for many reasons. How are those spoons coming along, girls? Good? String, is it tight? Yep. Almost? Okay. So tell me, do you all know how to pray the Shema? Yes. Oh, I would love to hear it. You lead us. 
Hear Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. And it shall come to pass if you surely listen to the commandments I command you today. That you may gather in your grain, your wine, still don't understand what is your reason for being here. I'm telling you this because even though you are children and the elders in your life have lived longer, many times adults need the faith of children. And if you hold on to this faith really tightly, someday soon, you will understand all of what I am saying to you. But you ask an important question, Abigail. What is my reason for being here? And the answer is for all of you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Isaiah. Isaiah, I have loved spending this time with you. You are all so very special. And I hope that my next students ask the same questions you do and that they listen to my answers. But I suspect they do not have the understanding you do. And I hope that when the time comes, they will tell others about me like you have. All right, so that was a beautiful clip from The Chosen, and Phil did an amazing job talking about, I think that was like the best uh, commercial for children's ministry. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to many of you signing up for kids ministry after today. But what I want to talk about today is I believe a word from the Lord that is a particular challenge to us adults. Um, and as we saw in The Chosen, um, as we see in Jesus' life in the Bible that he challenged cultural norms, and that is true for how he approached and loved children. So we're going to look at Matthew 18, and this is what it says in Matthew 18, chapter, um, verses 1 through 6. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called the little child to him and placed the child among them, and he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. 
and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So you see in this passage, the disciples asked Jesus, who's the greatest Jesus? We want to know, right? They probably expected a different answer. And as we saw in the show, there were definitely people who were treated differently and better than others in that culture, right? We saw that the Romans were feared, that Nicodemus and other religious leaders were venerated and were treated um, so much better than everyone else. And in our own cultural context today, when we think of you know, the greatest of all times, like the goats, right? Um, I think about basketball. Some of you are probably Michael Jordan is great. And if you're team Michael Jordan as the goat, raise your hand. Okay. What about LeBron James? Uh, okay. So I think we're team Jordan here today. So we think about presidents, maybe. We think about billionaires, the greatest of all times. And what was Jesus's answer, right? What did he do? He called up a child, and he was like, see, this is what you need to be like. In another passage, Mark 10, 13 to 16, this is the same account that Phil shared from Matthew. The people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. So here, parents were bringing their children for Jesus to bless them. And what were disciples doing? They were like, shoo, get out of here. Jesus can't be bothered by these kids. And this version of the Bible says that Jesus was indignant. And that is a strong word. It means that, he, that uh, he was feeling or showing anger or annoyance at what is perceived as unfair treatment. Here is an example where Jesus is advocating for children in the Bible. Jesus wasn't having it. He expressed his emotion, and he was like, let them come. And again, he says, receive the kingdom like a child. So this morning, I just want to talk to us a little bit about what Jesus is challenging us in these passages. What does it mean to be like a child? Matthew 18, 3 says, like we said, unless you change and become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So I think to start off with, we need to think about how we are, right? To kind of contrast um, how we are as adults are versus how we were maybe in our younger days when we were children. I know for one, I overanalyze. I overthink. Um, I second guess a lot. Um, I don't trust easily. I think in particular in this part of the country, um, Jersey cynicism is, a, a, is a, a rare and special thing. Like I remember moving to Western Pennsylvania for college after having lived here pretty much my whole entire life and someone coming, you know, someone coming up to me and saying hi and I'm like, I don't know you. Why are you talking to me? Right? Like, that's our reaction. We can't just accept a nice hello. Um, we're so jaded. I know I get this way sometimes. Like, nothing impresses us. Um, nothing surprises us. So in contrast, let's take a look at how kids are. Right? I think that we can look at children and see Jesus' words and say that children are humble. They have humility. Jesus says, whoever takes this lowly position, right? 
we don't expect too much from them. I think this is what the disciples were getting at. They didn't expect, you know, Jesus to care about the kids. What importance could they possibly have, right? We equate importance with status, with power, with money, with authority. And Jesus here is speaking to the value of humility that children generally have. Children have to rely on those bigger than them, right? It's not a comfortable place to be, to admit that we need, right? To know and be fully aware of our own dependence. And yet, Jesus highlights this as a part of the change we are supposed to reach for. Whoever takes this lowly position is the greatest. And why is that? Because as uncomfortable of a notion it is to be in need and humble like a child, it's the truth. We are all sunk without Jesus, our Savior. We are poor and needy without Christ. This is the truth about who we are. And we need to come to terms with this as our true status as his children, to approach Jesus with our humility and our smallness, in recognition of God's majesty and power in our reliance on our good, good Father. This is where kingdom breaks through in our lives. Amen? We cannot do this on our own. We need to rely on the one who is able to do more than we think or imagine. So reach lower, get lower, recognize that God is big and we are not. And in recognizing our true need for Christ, well, that's a great kingdom value. So the question for us is, how are we relying on ourselves instead of God? Are we able, as kids are so great at doing, as we just saw Abigail in the clip, she just went right for it with her questions. Are we, ask, are we able to ask the Lord for help? Do we recognize our need? Are we able to be humble? I think another thing that kids are great at is they are very uninhibited. They do things full force without pretense right? They are very honest with their emotions and how they express themselves. Um, my family and I got the opportunity to visit Niagara Falls this summer, and we did this one attraction called Cave of the Winds, and it's basically a set of stairs that are really close to some of the falls there, and there's one deck, and um, it's called the Hurricane Deck, and you just feel the power of the water rushing, and it feels like you're in a hurricane. And my son, he's, he's nine, he ran up there, and he enjoyed the feeling. Like he was screaming and jumping up and down and laughing, and we were wearing ponchos, but he was sopping wet. And people were trying to take pictures, and he was just like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my time. I love it here. I haven't seen him that happy in a very long time. And I think my thought is, you know, can we be more like that? You know, when was the last time you experienced such joy and expressed it? Can we be more uninhibited like children? Children are super honest, right? Sometimes painfully honest. Sometimes my kids have really strong opinions about my clothes or my hair. Um, some of you may have experienced that. But there is something beautiful about their honesty, the way that they approach things. Notice how children show excitement, right? A lot of us adults, we try to tamper our reactions, right, or our expectations, right? Do you notice this about you? Like, we just always want to stay cool, calm, we're collected all the time. But kids are not like this at all, right? They don't get, they, they, like, if you try to bring up ice cream 
or Disney World with my kids, they will go nuts. They'll be so happy and, and so like crazy. Um, if you bring up the doctors, like going to the doctors or you know, them having to do their homework, um, or a loss of screen time, this is a big deal. You will know how they are feeling in that moment, right? There is no pretending. I'm reminded of David in the Psalms, right? Who started as a child who did an awesome, mighty work for God in defeating Goliath. But throughout the Psalms, he danced before the Lord. Second Samuel 6.14 says, David danced before the Lord with all his might. When was the last time you were able to say that you did anything with all your might? Here, David danced before the Lord with all his might to the point where some, um, some passages called his worship undignified. But that was okay with him, right? He was painfully honest with his prayers. Where are you, God? He cried out in Psalm 86, Lord, listen to me. Listen to me. Doesn't that sound like something a kid would say? Listen to me and answer me. I am poor and helpless. I think David understood what it means to be a child of God. But David always remembered God's faithfulness, how big he is. He trusted God. He was considered a man after God's own heart. And I think the Psalms shows us a part of that. Why? Ephesians 6.18 says to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Are we like kids in this way? Do you know how... in <laughs> Some of you have ch little children and how they, incessant they are with their questions, with their requests. Well, we can be like that with God. This passage says so. Pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, right? Can we be honest with God and with ourselves? Can we be more like children in this? Can we pray honest prayers? We don't need to have all the long theological words down we don't have to pray in Christianese. We can simply cry out, right? Help, I need you. We can be honest before God. And another thing I think that we can learn from children and how to be more like a child is that children trust. They have faith. Instead of analyzing and second-guessing everything, they trust. Sometimes we as adults have trouble taking the Lord at his word, right? Children accept things. And when, when we teach them the good news of Jesus is meant to be shared with others, they do it. Um, I have um, been the children's pastor here for 13 years, and I've heard countless stories. Some of your children are little evangelists. They will tell anyone who will listen about Jesus, their friends at school, their grandparents, their own parents sometimes. Um, I have a quick story to, to say about this. Um, you know, sometimes we ourselves have trouble sharing the good news of Jesus to others, right? Uh, and so uh, my in-laws actually go to a different kind of church than we do. And this has been a contentious topic for years in our family. I can barely bring up this difference um, without it getting really dicey. Um, and so never in a million years would I have expected my in-laws to set foot in our church. So a few years ago, when my daughter was three years old, it was her first time with Vacation Bible School, and she was so excited about it. And she was sharing with her grandparents, oh, we sing songs, and we play games, and we learn about Jesus. And she invited them herself to church. And so they spent the whole morning at her VBS hearing about Jesus. And that was actually the day that we present the gospel to the kids. And so they heard the good news of Jesus. 
because my three-year-old daughter asked them, right? So she was, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, because she, my daughter, Noemi, because she had no history of the drama, the topic of church had caused, because all she was doing was sharing what she was excited about, she was able to accomplish in her childlikeness what I was not able to bring myself to do with all my adult baggage. You know, I want to be more like her. So children have faith. Children look to those who are older, to trusted adults, to remind them that things will be okay. They trust they trust. What is it today that we have trouble believing God about? What promises in his word do you sometimes doubt or are skeptical about with our adult brains? The invitation from the Lord today might just be that you remember that he is a good father, that you are his beloved child. Matthew 7, 9 to 11 says this, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you, then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He is able to give us good gifts. We can trust that he knows better. We can approach him like a child and remember that he is worthy of our trust. We can remind ourselves of this verse, okay? So how are we like or unlike children? How are we relying on ourselves instead of our good father? We are to be like children in our trust and faith, in our honesty, and in our humility. But Jesus also challenges us with something else here. Let's go back to the passage in Matthew. I want to go back to verse 6, okay? Um, Matthew 18, 6, sorry. It says, if anyone causes, it's at the bottom of your screen, uh, Matthew 18, Anyway, I'll read it for you. If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone. I mean, imagine the imagery of this verse. It would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. So Jesus is not mincing words in this passage, right? He is taking very seriously and speaking very strongly about how much we care for we protect and we advocate for our children. And Pastor Phil talked a lot about this before, but I think there's also um, a particular word to parents here. So parents, I'm just going to address you for a little bit. Yes, we're to train up our, the ch our children in the way they should go, as Proverbs 22, 6 says, right? And we take this seriously. But even as a parent, even as we parents um, try to be the primary spiritual formation people in our children's lives. We can also be like children in our parenting, right? As we parent, let's heed the call to be like children in our trusting the Lord with our parenting. And what might that look like for us, right? It's basically what we've been talking about. Are we humble in our parenting? This was a big one. And tough for me to learn because I didn't really grow up like this. You know, parents never, my parents never apologized. But do we say sorry when we mess up to our kids? Do we admit to our children we don't know everything? That's being, humili that's being humble. That's humility in parenting. Are we uninhibited in how we approach the Lord? Do our children see us worshiping God? 
right? Do we talk to the Lord outside of church? Do we pray outside of here? Do we trust the Lord as his children? Do our children see us in our times of struggle praying and crying out? I think about how childhood anxiety has shot up in the last few decades, how it's even been an issue in my own life, and I wonder if I were more vocal about trying to trust the Lord, trying to live a life of faith that is evident for my children, whether it will help with their anxiety, with their fears. So my question for parents this morning is that, where in my parenting can I be more like a child of God? Because of all the tough things we will go through in life, I have no doubt if you are a parent, that parenting is one of life's greatest challenges, and we need our good Father with us in this. Amen? We cannot do this on our own. We need to rely on him in our parenting. We need wisdom. We need his guidance. We need, we need, we need, right? But thank God we are not to do it alone. We can do it with him. We can rely on his strength, okay? So, Uh, That's for parents. The rest of the church, we are not off the hook. I want to draw your attention to Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And this is actually uh, the prayer that was in the clip that we saw. It's called the Shema. And um, even modern-day Jews recite this prayer up to three times a day. This is something they take seriously. All right, it's from Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. Here's what it says. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I mean, if we recited this you know, a couple of times a day. I think it would help us focus on what's important, right? But it says in verse 7, impress them on your children. So when Moses gave this to the Israelites, he didn't separate out the parents, and he was like, okay, only you guys have to impress this on your children. No, it was to the community. It was to the church at large. So I think my point here is it, it takes all of us right? It is a shared responsibility to teach the kids about God, not just parents. It takes the whole church community. And really think and pray about what it is that God might be calling you to do in this area. It might be kids ministry and talk to me if you are interested in that. I'd love to talk to you about it. But maybe you have a heart for inner city kids. Maybe you would love to help out at a crisis pregnancy center for parents choosing to give their kids a chance to live, okay? Um, Yes, children's ministry Real talk here has been really tough in the last year and a half, understandably so, right? And the need is there. But I also think that the need isn't just because we need volunteers in children's ministry. I think a lot of us adults, like I've been sharing, need to be reminded what it is to be a child, right? I know that some of us are, are, are just feeling jaded, feeling disillusioned. It's been a really tough couple of years, and I understand that. But what if the Lord is calling you to work with children because he wants to shape and mold you to be more like the little children he is telling us to be like? I know that is the case for me. I am not naturally a trusting person. And I know that God has used children in my life to impact me in such huge ways. And so what if the Lord wants to grow you specifically in these areas of greater trust, greater faith, 
more childlikeness, a way of interacting with the world and what God might have for you as a child would with wonder and trust. Isn't that, doesn't that sound nice? To wonder again, to have fun, to have joy? Because truly, there is always more. Children are great reminders of what's possible. And what if a part of what the Lord is reminding us this morning, in whatever situation we're facing, whatever it is that you are going through, God is bigger. And that we can play a significant role in a child's life by saying yes to the Lord's invitation to be like them and to care for them and to be with them. Amen? So let's stand. We're going to just go into a time of uh, ministry here. And I want to invite everyone to just hold out their hands, kind of acknowledge our need for the Lord. I tell the kids in kids' church, this is just a sign that our hearts are open to God and we need him and we want him in our lives. Um, I think a strong word that I've had while I've been preparing for this sermon is just that, that, that there are some of us that need to approach Jesus like a child again, right? To have that greater trust, to be honest with him, to be expectant, to dream with the Lord. So God, I just pray that right now in Jesus' name. Lord, that you would show us, Lord, how to be like a child in your presence and how to live more like a child in you. Lord, help us to believe you when you say something to us. Help us to live lives that point to you and your goodness. Help us to be excited about what you're doing in us and through us. Thank you, Lord. You know, I was thinking just just real quick here. I think one of the things that puts up walls and makes it hard for us to trust and that hardens us and turns us into cynics and the sense that we have to protect ourselves is is that we don't realize how loved we are. Mm -hmm. And so your heavenly father, he loves you. He loves you. The reason you can be like a child, the reason you can let the walls down is because you're loved. You're loved by your heavenly father. He has always loved you. From even, you know, before your parents met, he loved you. Before your grandparents met, your great-grandparents, your great-great-grandparents, he loved you. You have always been loved, and you will always be loved. And so, Lord, I just bless, in the name of Jesus, I just bless us all with the love of the Heavenly Father. Yes. And God, I pray that your love would just penetrate the walls and drop our defenses and help us to trust that we can know that we're loved. Mm -hmm. God, that we're loved by you. And so, Lord, I just pray right now in this, in this, in this moment, God, that you would break down the defenses of our heart and just let us know, remind us, or show us anew how loved we are, God, with your perfect love. So come, Holy Spirit. We're going we're gonna to have some ministry time, and so we've got people from the prayer ministry team that are going to be over here, and, and, um, and I, I just, I want to encourage you, I, I talked about writing down those, those prayer requests for your kids. And so I know that some of you came in here today with real burdens for your, either your little kids or your adult kids or whatever it is. And, and I just want to encourage you to let someone help you bear that burden today. Let someone help you pray for your kids, that together you can kind of come in and you can, you can, you can pray together. 
I think, too, that if you're, if what Mary Ann's been talking about, about the walls and the defenses, and if you know they're there and, and it's a barrier that makes it hard for you to trust, let somebody pray with you that God will just spiritually start to do the work of just brick by brick taking down those walls. And I just also, you know what, just, just got to say that if there's anyone here, you have not yet opened up your heart to your Heavenly Father. I want to give you a chance to do that. If you haven't become, you see, you're not, you're, you're born as someone who's loved by God, but you're not born as a child of God, right? That happens when we're born again. That happens when we, when we accept God's free gift of salvation. And so if you want to be born again into the family of God so you can know that you know that you're part of God's family, I want to I lead you in a prayer, and you can just pray this. Pray, Lord Jesus, I need you. You don't even have to say it out loud. Just say it in your heart. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead and that you're here now. And so I ask that you would forgive all of my sins. I accept your free gift of salvation. Teach me how to be a child, how to be like a child. Lord, I don't want to live with defenses. I don't want to live with cynicism. I want the freedom that you have for me. And so I invite you into my life. And I accept your free gift of salvation. And from here on out, I will try to follow you. Just keep your eyes closed. But if you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand right now if you prayed that prayer. And I'll ask you to do one other thing. On your connection card, check off that you decided to become a follower of Jesus. Or you can text follow to this number. And we have some stuff that we'll send you. And uh, we'll, I'll reach out to you this week and just see how I can pray for you. All right, we've got the prayer team. They're ready for, for you to come. Whatever your prayer needs are, please take advantage of that opportunity. I just really know that maybe some of us, you have burdens, and going and letting someone pray with you will help you leave here lighter than you came in. All right, and so God bless you guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon.